Alright, what's your name? My name's Mark. And how old are you? Nine. And why is Jesus better than anything else? Because he teaches us about the Bible. Being a kid isn't easy. You know you're supposed to be good, and sometimes you feel like you're doing a great job. But then the next minute, you do something wrong again. That's why we need Jesus and to remember the good news of the gospel every day. Not just the part about when Jesus came to earth, but God's rescue plan from before he even created the world and the hope of living with him forever so that we can see through every story in the Bible why Jesus is better than anything else and why he wants you to join him. Miss Alicia, I've been listening to the book of First Kings. And so exciting and wonderful and sad and frustrating things happened. I think this episode should be a hundred hours long. So we can talk about everything at once. <laughs> I'm glad you're ready to dive in, Finn. Even if we can't have a podcast episode that's a hundred hours long, remember that you can always talk with God about anything you're learning. He loves it when our Bible study causes us to praise Him and understand more about how He's working in the world. Yeah, you can stay water and visit my cooler coral reef home for very long, but God doesn't have any trouble being in the air or underwater. So the other podcast in Second Samuel, I know Mr. Thomas Taz a lot about when da- what David did when he was king. But now King David is really old. I also not to hear more stories about David. But now songs are going to be a part of God's big story. Just like we've been talking about, right? Right, Finn. The stories of the kings we're going to be learning about is actually divided into two books called First and Second Kings. In previous episodes, we learned a lot about King Saul and King David, but now we'll find out about the rest of the kings all the way until the last Israelite king is conquered by a nation called the Babylonians. And the time wasn't right for King Jesus to come yet. Ah, you remember from our series on God's big story. We're not sure who put together all the stories of First and Second Kings, but we do know that the style is similar to the book of Deuteronomy, when Moses gave all those speeches about following God. And then we find out what the Israelites actually did. David gives a similar speech to Solomon before the people, and we find out what happens with each king afterward, whether he followed God like David did or not. The book was written after the Babylonians had conquered the people of Judah, and maybe even later, when the Persians had then conquered the Babylonians. It sure is a lot simpler under the sea. We tried to stay away from white-tipped reef sharks and more eels because they could uh, eat us. But we have special watchfish who tell us if one is getting too near our reef. I'm glad they can keep you safe, Finn. Everyone, 
from the time the books were first put together until now, is meant to see how Israel's choice to turn away from God, led by many of their kings, brought judgment. They weren't taken out of the land because God wasn't powerful enough to protect them, but because they didn't want him to be their true king. That's why this book is so frustrating. But God still didn't forget about his people, even after they were taken away by their enemies. Because at the end of Second Kings, the king of Babylon, who had taken one of the last Israelite kings from Judah as a prisoner, let him out of prison. And so there was still a chance that another king could come, even if it was a long time in the future. And he would, if only they knew that Jesus would come to their great-great-great-grandchildren. Yeah, and with that, let's dive deeper and imagine our story today. King David, an old man now, is shivering in his room. Is David going to keep ruling until he takes his last breath? His son Adonijah didn't think so. He came forward and announced, I'm going to be the next king. Is he allowed to just do that? We'll find out. Adonijah got chariots and horses ready. He also got 50 men to run in front of him. His father, David, had never tried to stop him from doing what he wanted to, or said, why are you acting the way you do? Uh Uh-oh. And so now he thinks he can just choose to be the next king. Now that Absalom was dead, Adonijah was David's oldest son. Adonijah talked things over with Joab. He also talked with Abiathar the priest. They agreed to help him. But Zadok the priest and Benaiah didn't join Adonijah. Nathan the prophet didn't join him either. And neither did David's special guard. Adonijah sacrificed sheep, cattle, and fat calves and invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the royal officials of Judah. So it was like a party to celebrate him, declaring himself king? Yeah, but he didn't invite Benaiah or Nathan the prophet. He didn't invite the special guard or his brother Solomon either. Nathan the prophet asked Solomon's mother Bathsheba, Haven't you heard? Adonijah has made himself king, and King David doesn't know anything about it. So let me tell you what to do to save your life. It will also save the life of your son Solomon. You mean Adonijah was planning on killing Solomon? Well, that's what kings often did to people they thought wouldn't support them. Nathan told Bathsheba, Go in and see King David. Say to him, You are my king and master. You promised me you can be sure that your son Solomon will be king after me. He will sit on my throne. If that's really true, why has Adonijah become king? While you are still talking to the king, I'll come in and support what you have said. So Bathsheba went to see the old king in his room. Bathsheba bowed low in front of the king. What do you want? the king asked. She said to him, My master, 
You made a promise in the name of the Lord your God. You promised me your son Solomon will be king after me. He will sit on my throne. But now Adonijah has made himself king, and you don't even know about it. He has sacrificed large numbers of cattle, fat calves, and sheep. He has invited all the king's sons, but he hasn't invited your son Solomon. You are my king and master. All the Israelites are watching to see what you will do. They want to find out from you who will sit on the throne after you. If you don't do something, I and my son Solomon will be treated like people who have committed crimes. That will happen as soon as you die. I hope David listens since he had let this happen in the first place. While she was still speaking with the king, Nathan the prophet arrived. He bowed down with his face toward the ground. Nathan said, You are my king and master. Have you announced that Adonijah will be king after you? Have you said he will sit on your throne? Did you do it without letting us know about it? Why didn't you tell us who is going to sit on your throne after you? King David said, Tell Bathsheba to come in. So she came and stood in front of the king. Then the king made a promise. He said, The Lord has saved me from all my troubles. You can be sure that he lives, and you can be just as sure I will do what I promised. Phew, I'm glad he stayed alive long enough to keep his promise. Today I will do what I promised in the name of the Lord. He is the God of Israel. I promised you that your son Solomon would be king after me. He will sit on my throne in my place. Tell Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet to come in. Also tell Benaiah to come. So they came to the king. He said to them, Take my officials with you. Have my son Solomon get on my own mule. Have Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him as king over Israel. Blow a trumpet. Shout, May King Solomon live a long time. Then come back up to the city with him. Have him sit on my throne. He will rule in my place. I've appointed him ruler over Israel and Judah. So Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet left the palace. Benaiah went with him. They had Solomon get on King David's mule, and they brought him down to the Gihon Spring. Zadok the priest had taken an animal horn from the sacred tent. The horn was filled with olive oil. He anointed Solomon with the oil. A trumpet was blown. All the people shouted, May King Solomon live a long time! Then they went up toward the city. Solomon was leading the way. The people were playing flutes. They were filled with great joy. The ground shook because of all the noise. Adonijah and all his guests heard it. They were just finishing their meal. Busted! Joab heard the sound of the trumpet, so he asked, What does all this, all this noise in the city mean? While Joab was still speaking, Jonathan arrived. Jonathan was the son of Abiathar the priest. Adonijah said, Come in, you must be bringing good news. No, I'm not, Jonathan answered. Our master, King David, has made Solomon king. 
Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anointed him as king. Now they've gone back up to the city. They were cheering all the way. The city is filled with the sound of it. That's the noise you hear. And that's not all. Solomon has taken his seat on the royal throne. Wow, I can't believe how close Solomon came to not becoming king. While King David was sitting on his bed, he bowed in worship. He said, I praise the Lord. He is the God of Israel. He has let me live to see my son sitting on my throne today as the next king. When all Adonijah's guests heard that, they were terrified, so they got up and scattered. Adonijah was afraid of what Solomon might do to him, so he went and grabbed the horns of the altar for burnt offerings. What? Why would he do that? Well, he probably thought that since the altar was a holy place, Solomon wouldn't kill him there. Then Solomon was told, King Solomon, Adonijah is afraid of you. He's holding on to the horns of the altar. He says, I want King Solomon to make a promise today. I want him to promise that he won't kill me with his sword. Solomon replied, Let him show that he's a man people can respect. Then not even one hair on his head will fall to the ground. But if I find out he's done something evil, he will die. Adonijah came and bowed down to King Solomon. Solomon said, Go on home. I could imagine becoming king in one day and having to start making all those important decisions. I get nervous when I'm the line leader for the day in my class. It's true that Solomon is going to have to make lots of choices on behalf of the Israelites now that he's king. But let's think about God's part in this story. Hmm, David talked about the problems he made in the name of the Lord, and that God was the one that kept him from troubles. But what did God do in this story? In First Chronicles 22, before David died, he got lots of materials like wood and silver and gold, and also workers ready to build a magnificent temple for the Lord. God had told David not to build it because he had shed lots of blood but that his son Solomon would be a man of peace and rest and would be the one to build the temple. Whoa, so now he has a big building job to do, along with making all those decisions. We'll talk more about Solomon's jobs later. But do you see how God worked to keep his promise? Even though David hadn't done a very good job of parenting Adonijah, and Adonijah tried to make himself king, God sent Nathan and Bathsheba to tell David what was happening and kept David alive long enough to have Solomon anointed king instead. God had a plan for Solomon and the kings who had come after him, and nothing could keep his plan from being fulfilled. But sometimes I make really good plans too, like helping Slim with his homework. But then Mom says... And I come home after school instead. I can understand how disappointing it can be. I love making plans, but it's easy for me to get frustrated when things don't turn out the way I'd hoped, or I don't get something done I wanted to. But that's where we need to remember the best planner in the universe. He has written down promises, 
which are really like his plans in his word. And we know that those plans will always come true. Like his promise to never leave us because he sends his Holy Spirit to live in us when we've joined our lives to him. And his promise that nothing can separate us from his love. And that we will see God face to face and get to live with him forever in the place he's been preparing for us, which will be on a new and perfect earth. And that he's prepared good works for us to do. And we can't forget his plan from before the creation of the world to save us through Jesus' death and resurrection, taking the punishment for our sins and clothing us in his righteousness. It says in the book of Philippians that God, who began a good work in us, will carry it out until it's completed, when Jesus comes again. But I still don't know what to do. When mom doesn't let me do what I want to do, I know I shouldn't get mad at her or bang against the walls of my room. Some verses that have been especially encouraging for me are in Romans 8, when Paul says that the Holy Spirit helps us when we're weak, even praying for us, and that God works all things out for good in the lives of those who love him. And he does that so that we can be made more like Jesus. It might not feel good at the time, but we can't see the end of our story yet. How God might be planning and preparing and working so that we can learn to find our greatest joy in him. I guess I can still thank God even when I'm confused. With his help you can. I get confused pretty much every day and have to trust God. And sometimes it happens lots and lots of times. Good thing he never leaves us. That's right, Finn. Let's thank God for that. Father, thank you for never leaving us and for working in our lives, even when we don't do a very good job like David. Would you help us to remember your promises each time our plans don't work out? We want to be like Jesus, whatever it takes. Amen. Okay, bye-bye, butterfly. See you next time, boys and girls.